0: Hi, this is Barbara Wilson listening to the Superlit Podcast.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
2: Lit podcast is a bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBTQIA community. Hey, everyone. Um, my name is Brendan Patrick. We've got Sophie Green here, and we also have a special guest, uh, Barbara Wilson. She is here today to talk to us about a mystery novel. Barbara, could you tell us the title of the book that we're talking about today?
0: It's Not the Real Jupiter.
2: I love the title of the book. <laughs> <laughs> what? So this is a... Can you tell us a little bit about the book? I know it's um, in a like series of other books that are in the same kind of like mystery realm, I would say. Right.
0: Right. It's my uh, ninth mystery and it's the fifth with Cassandra Riley, who is an expatriate uh, translator. She lives mostly in London and in Spain and South America. And she is a, uh, solving a mystery um, that is set in Oregon this time. It starts in Montevideo in Uruguay, but it moves to uh, the coast of Oregon and to Portland pretty rapidly. So I um, have been writing about her for a long time, um, but there was sort of a break in there. Uh, I wrote four books and then stopped for quite a while, and then I've gone back and and written a fifth one. I sort of missed her.
2: Yeah, I can imagine not writing about her would, uh, it would feel like there's something missing there. Um, She's a pretty fun character.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always found her kind of cheering. So I suppose with COVID and everything, I started thinking about her and thinking, I need, I need some more jokes in my life right now. And I need to pretend that I'm being able to travel if I can't do it myself right now.
2: Yeah, it sounds uh, nice being able to go back and forth between not only London and the United States, but just like different places as well. And just like speaking of um, like renting a flat somewhere, it just sounds uh, really nice and dreamy right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It certainly does, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Even just having like a little cottage on the coast, that sounds very, very nice. (laughs)
0: I know. I ran into a friend of mine um, at the library today, and Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen her for a long time. We were sort of catching up, and she said she was going in about a week to the coast of Washington to La Push. I was so envious. I thought, why am I not doing that? I mean, that sounds so great.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that that does sound nice. I have um, two friends that just moved out to... I do this all the time. Uh, I keep saying Portland. They don't live in Portland, but I tell everyone of my friends that like moves out in that general area i'm like oh you live in portland now right and they're like no a, no um <laughs> and i i told sophie <laughs> that my friend josh just moved there and he was sitting in front of me and he's like that's two hours away what i don't live there
0: <laughs> oh where do they live further south
2: Somewhere um they they live in Oregon somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> I'm hoping they don't listen to this podcast <laughs> at this very moment. Um, Sophie, could you tell me where they live? I feel like Josh yelled it at you when he was like, "Brendan, no." I don't remember. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just distracted by having friends over. Yeah, I think that was it too.
1: We we're um, overwhelmed
2: by the presence yeah, of by people, people around us. <laughs> Yeah, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about Cassandra. Like, where where did she come from? I like her background story of being Irish and American at the same time.
0: Um, she kind of popped up uh, in the 80s, late 80s, when I was living in London. And I was asked to write a um, story for an anthology called Reader, I Murdered Him. And before that, I'd been writing about someone in Seattle, Pam Nielsen, who was Mm -hmm. a printer and kind of reflected my life Mm -hmm. in the collective scene in Seattle in those days. But I thought it would be fun since I was living in London to kind of come up with a new character. And it's not too much of a stretch because I'm also Mm -hmm. Irish-American. My grandfather was born in County Cork Mm -hmm. and... uh, My mother grew up in Brooklyn and in the Midwest. So um, I thought, well, why not? You know, I'll just sort of use that Irish aspect. And I also at that time was applying for and received an Irish passport. So Mm
3: -hmm.
0: I had been thinking that I might stay Mm -hmm. in London and I thought it might be handy, have an Irish passport, come and go. So I gave that to her Um, Mm -hmm. in lots of other ways. She's not the same as I am at all. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of Uh, more rooted, um, for one thing, Um, but I've enjoyed making things up about her. I'm also Mm -hmm. a translator, but not from Spanish, though I do Mm -hmm. know Spanish, but I've translated from Norwegian and Danish mostly, while she translates from Spanish. So I've had a lot of fun with language and with the world of translation, and especially in this newest book, I'm kind of returned to it with many more years of translation and working with publishers and, and authors, some of whom are kind of prima donnas. Um, <laughs> and her author in this book is pretty much a kind of diva. Luisa Monteflores is her name.
2: Yeah, when uh, one of the, I think it's Kim, who's like, why do you put up with her? And it's like, well, have <laughs> you met her? And I'm like, I I feel like some some of the conversations they have, I'm like, yeah, why are you... <laughs> putting up with this and then I'm like there are some people in your lives I'm sure that is just like I can't not I understand what you're saying but no
1: you're correct but
0: also
2: yeah this is my friend
0: right yeah she Louisa has been in some other stories along the way and Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know why she puts up with her myself but there's sort of a fondness there just of you know lengthy friendship, I guess, and sympathy. Mm-hmm. And the, the simple fact is, is that Cassandra really likes her writing and mm-hmm. you can like the writing of someone and still have trouble with them personally. And I'm sure you know that feeling because you've interviewed <laughs> authors and you think, oh, I love their writing, but whoa, what a <laughs> uh, difficult person.
2: <laughs> we thankfully, I, on my end, I can't speak for Sophie. We, I haven't um, experienced that quite just yet um but I'm, sh- I'm sure it will happen at some point in my life
0: <laughs> probably <yes>. um, yeah
2: yeah <laughs> so also the majority of the the cast is um I believe it's all like almost all female and like women like over the age of 30 I would say which I thought was really nice um especially because a lot of the books that like I have read which Sophie really wants to stray away from (laughs) I really love YA books and I guess just reading about adults I'm like I'm an adult I want to read about something else but it's really nice uh especially with like mystery novels when it's not um children that are embroiled in a murder case (laughs) um I but uh I really liked the cast of many different like ages of women that were included with you know there's Nora, there's Karen, Jane, like everyone was like at a different point in their lives, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Yeah, that was fun for me to to kind of experiment with anyone from kind of a young, youngish 30 year old, um, mm-hmm. or 20 year old, I think some of them mm-hmm. are um, to women who are in their late 70s, like um, the older woman writer who writes children's children's books.
1: Well, I was, I was really interested mostly in um, the, the translator uh, job, but you already kind of explained that, that you, that's actually um, something that you've done. Cause I think it's such an interesting way to give a character, like a really rich background. And it also um, affords her a really uh, kind of an easy writing trick to, to travel a lot. Um, you don't have to worry so much about being tied down to one specific city, especially if you want to have her be solving mysteries all over the place. So I, I really love that aspect of it. Um, but do you like, so from your writing, it really seemed that you enjoy kind of writing about traveling in like different areas and places.
3: Yes, yeah. And the initial books were set in Barcelona and Venice and Romania. And the short stories are set in lots of different places, some of which I've been to and some I kind of made up. Um, but I think that I'm really interested in the kind of figure of the traveler, um, someone who's not kind of tied down and who is often in movement. And I'm interested in translation as a kind of background to detective work because I think that. The translator is sort of this indeterminate figure. She's always between um, languages. And I think that people tend to think of translators as sort of um, invisible. I mean, that's mm-hmm. sort of partly the job of the translator is to be invisible, but to be picking up on cues and paying attention to language. And so that's kind of the job of the sleuth as well, to be somewhere in the mix um, being very observant and seeing what the clues are, but not too obtrusive. So I think sleuthing and detecting and translating all have something in common. And I like to play with that in in the books, and I, I certainly do, and not the real Jupiter.
1: Yeah, you get a really um, nice sense of, or, or, or like a really nice step into being almost like an outsider of mm-hmm. like the community and stuff and and what's happening but it it fits so well with the narrative so i really like yeah. that kind of setup
3: thank you i think there's another layer in that she's an american or you know she's got american nationality she was born in michigan and kalamazoo and yet she's lived abroad most of her life so you know, people aren't quite sure how she fits in. Does she understand how American appliances work, for instance? Um, and she sort of slides into it at the same time. It's a bit foreign to her. I mean, clearly, she's never been in Portland before. She's kind of coming from the Bay Area where she's been uh, um at a conference. But she just drives up there in the borrowed Subaru and starts acting as if she knows how things work. Um, And of course she does because, you know, she was raised in the States, but I want it to seem a little bit foreign to her in some ways. And I I think that was interesting for me because sometimes I feel it's a little bit foreign to me too (laughs) Um, when I'm out on the road and there are the Trump signs and um, it just doesn't seem like the country I Uh, either know or would like to live in
1: Mm -hmm. it's like fascinating really is amazing how just geographically large the united states is um and traveling from state to state you're you're basically i mean it's so similar to traveling to different countries we just Mm -hmm. don't have that sense here because it's supposed to be you know the United States of America but it's so similar to like the difference between like Louisiana and like New York is like kind of the same thing as like the difference between like parts of Italy and France almost. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah yeah the the same uh, cues don't apply and Mm -hmm. The things that you would like to eat and the things that you expect to talk about are very different sometimes, as well as the landscape. of course, the landscape is so mm-hmm. different from place to place.
2: Mm-hmm. I've had friends from overseas that are um confused as to how like I haven't seen like more of the United States. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know have you do you know how deep Pennsylvania is? how like <laughs> wide it is, I should say. And <laughs> you literally have to take a plane from Philly to um, like the state's capital because I mean, you could drive, but yeah. it's just a very long time.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I agree. And there are parts of the United States I've never been in, or I've only been in one city.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: yeah, I've just been in Philadelphia twice. That's mm-hmm. it. I don't know Pennsylvania at yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, Pennsylvania is also one of those weird, I feel like some states, well, actually, probably not, but I feel like you can kind of get a sense for, like, a a state by being in, like, one of the larger areas, but, like, PA is so weird, because it's, like, you have Philly, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, maybe, and then the rest of PA is, like, a completely different universe.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, there's such a difference often in the states between, the rural areas and, you know, the mm-hmm. cities or college towns. Um, I uh, My wife and I went to Montana this summer and were kind of smoked out. We really didn't see too much. But it was also just kind of astounding, um, you know, the differences in the little villages and the tribal lands and the national parks and Missoula which suddenly seemed like Portland, um, you know, with the bookstores and the vegetarian cafes. um, So it was all there. It was all just in one state. And yet, as we moved from place to place, um, we were encountering all kinds of different scenarios and different people. So maybe Pennsylvania is a little bit like
2: that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs)
2: It's very cavernous here. (laughs) (laughs) Are any of the other characters in the book based off of people you know, um, or other than yourself, obviously, um, with uh, the main character, the protagonist?
3: No, they're pretty much invented. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, had this sense that I wanted to make it about publishing, I wanted to make it about publishing translations and the sort of financial difficulties um, of that world. Um, but it just kind of developed. And I'm, you know, I've always been curious in at speculative fiction and um, science fiction. And I thought that would be fun since that's such a big deal um mm-hmm. on the West Coast. And there's this whole kind of Latinx science fiction world too and you know i didn't want to go too deeply into any of this but i i did want to sort of keep touching on aspects of fantasy and science fiction and um is this woman louisa really a speculative fiction writer or is she a literary modernist um and um a lot of the people that Cassandra is running into are connected to writing in one way or another, either their, um, would be publisher or, um, a grad student, or a translator, or something, um, you know. Uh, so I, that was just interesting for me, and and I and I totally made them up. I mean, I suppose the only character really who's a little bit like someone I know or used to know is Ursula Le Guin, the character of um, of Nora. Um, has a few things that sort of correspond to Ursula Le Guin. I mean, she lives on the same street where Ursula lived and uh, she's a famous children's book writer, but other than that, you know, everything about her is different.
2: (laughs) That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of love that she really loves the aquarium. Um, Right. When um, there's a part in the book where uh, she's like, find me at my favorite spot. And I was like, oh, (laughs) she definitely said it at some point in the book. And my brain was like, where? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I feel like I I learned a lot about the
3: whole octopus thing. Yeah. Um, Where I live um, uh, uh, in Port Townsend, we have a very small marine science center, but they haven't octopus there usually which they name and it's in a tank and they take it right off the coast not very far away and let it grow um, for a while and then release it and it's kind of a big deal we had one called Eleonora and you know people got really fond of her and uh, would come by all the time and see what she was up to and uh, learned we learned a lot about octopuses Including the plural of octopus is octopuses, not octopi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah, I thought I would put that in the book too and make it part of the story in some way.
2: Yeah, I didn't. I definitely didn't know um, that about them in general. Um, and I also just love the one octopus being very shy that's in the tank.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, right. like, I like that.
2: The yeah. need for Cassandra to be like I, I have to wave at you. I, I'm not here to do this, but I'm gonna wave at you. <laughs>
3: right. We simply, right? Must yeah. Yes. Well, they do have a fabulous aquarium there in in Newport.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so I um, had a chance to visit that again and uh, just enjoy it.
2: Yeah. Also, if if I remember correctly, did, did you win um, a, I always mispronounce this award name, the Lambda? Award?
3: Yes. I won a couple. Um, and uh, one was for a book called Gaudi Afternoon, mm. which was the first Cassandra O'Reilly mystery set in Barcelona. And then some years later, I won for a memoir that I wrote about my childhood called Blue Windows. Mm-hmm.
2: What's, um, what's the, like, is there like a process for that? Do you submit, like, I, I don't know much about it. I, uh, know that one of our friends also, um, has one recently. Um, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm unfamiliar with the process.
3: Um, I think now is a submission period. So mm-hmm. any book that's been published in this year, um, You know, you there's an entry fee and then you uh, the publisher, the author, whoever sends Mm. it to Lambda nominating committee. And then they kind of uh, choose five in every category. And then they're announced, um, I think, in May every year
2: uh,
3: at a big ceremony. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they've done it virtually the last two years.
2: Yeah, that sounds right. I think YA Fest or Y'all Fest or whatever. (laughs) Y'all Fest. (laughs) Y'all Fest. Um, I think that is like the first um, in person fest, like book festival that I know is happening this year. Uh Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's in person.
3: Yeah. Some of them are hybrids now, too.
2: Mm. Um, That's kind of nice for the people that can't go to them.
3: It is really nice, actually. It opens um, some of these things up to more people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it is expensive to go to these conferences, and some people uh, can't afford that or just don't want to.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's understandable. I think that's the one nice part of all of the things that have happened in the past like two years is that musicians doing um like more like live shows via like not zoom per se but like mm-hmm. um things like that on youtube putting those things up also i think um like more like author panels being via like a zoom situation yeah. um i think is really interesting yeah i like that too actually uh-huh.
3: And I agree. That's one of the few good things about it. I mean, I remember last year when I first started Zooming so much and watching panels, I thought, this is incredible. And also the opera and the dance, (laughs) plus this music. And I don't know. I mean, months Mm -hmm. along after watching so many YouTubes and Zoom (laughs) things, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, now I'm ready for some real people. I (laughs) just need one real person.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would chance. be incredible to yeah. go yeah. to a real event. <laughs> <sighs> I can't
1: imagine it.
3: <laughs> yeah, someday soon, I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I think that. There, I mean, there's been like, I've I've definitely gone to a few like simulcast uh, productions of things that are like, um, uh, like London productions of something, and they record it. Um, but I think we've definitely advance a little bit where smaller less like famous theaters and stuff than like the o2 are probably are capable of doing this so we kind of hopefully once things are really safe and stuff we can kind of have this hybrid of the people who want to get into the theater and see the real people again can really see it or see people speaking or going to shows or what have you but also keep kind of digital aspect of it so that people Mm -hmm. who aren't physically capable of being there still have that opportunity because i just think that's like so cool i
3: think so too and it also enables kind of international cooperation Mm -hmm. i've i've Mm seen some panels where you've got people, you know, calling in, appearing from Greenland and from London and from San Francisco. And I think, wow, that's amazing. I mean, this could never really be happening in real life. So mm-hmm. how wonderful is this?
2: Yeah. And it also, like, things like this are a little bit easier to do um, because I, I didn't know about Zoom before any of this until every company started doing Zooms.
3: <laughs> right. Um
2: so- <laughs> yeah
3: right uh, as we've seen zoom is not perfect yeah
2: (laughs) but at least you can call into it yeah
3: yeah no that's true i i had never tried this before so that's that's interesting
2: your audio is very good on it oh good yeah we should all start calling it i didn't
1: even know i honestly didn't know we could do like a regular regular phone i've only I feel like I've only seen people use it on their phone and it's like a smartphone. So it's basically a tiny computer. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. But this is amazing. This is fantastic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When you were writing this story, like, uh, so I I think the thing I was saying before is um, every person that was introduced, I was like, Oh, they're the one that did it. Um,
1: every which, mi- every mystery novel every yeah. everyone's a suspect
2: yeah every cat person tree that's introduced <laughs> that's explained for more than a second I'm like they're the one that did it
3: <laughs> well I hope you were surprised a little bit by the end
2: I'm always surprised because I'm I'm the person that no matter I mean maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit but like no matter the amount of information that's given to me I'm like no that can't be true
3: uh-huh. <laughs> right Yeah, that's like my wife, Betsy, we watch mysteries Mm -hmm. on television. And, you know, we come to the end, and they've said who it is. And then she's like, always gives me this puzzle look. And it's like, could you explain to me why they did it? (laughs) And I'm like I watch so many mysteries and I've written mysteries. I had already mm-hmm. figured it out half the time, mm-hmm. midway through, though mm-hmm. sometimes I'm surprised too. But I'm sort of like, Well, you know, when he came to the door, but he had forgotten to tell her and then I realized and she's like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, it all makes sense now. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: Sure. <laughs> I sometimes <laughs> like the mysteries that are like, Here's the thing that happened And it's like, Wait, this person was introduced in the last two minutes of the thing. How did they <laughs>
3: Right. Right. Yeah, there's a trick in writing mysteries that I I never feel like I've quite mastered, but I'm always trying to of trying to make everyone suspicious without Mm -hmm. making them sort of like a psychopath liar. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, that's actually really fascinating to me because, um, you know, in mysteries, everyone, their tiniest actions seem sort of vaguely suspicious suspicious somehow mm-hmm. and it's not like that in real life you know a friend of mine will tell me something and i just take it at face value yeah. you know i don't think she's hiding the fact that she's a murderer <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: thank god we don't live like that <laughs> right. Yeah. right one of my uh <laughs> one of my favorite tv shows i will not name it um it's it's pure garbage television they introduce the murderer uh, in like this last episode and it's seven seasons to get to the point where they finally introduce this person and it's one of the main actresses but with a really bad british accent um and i swear to god i remember watching it being like what the fuck (laughs) this isn't real i (laughs) I did not watch for this long to get to this point for for this to happen (laughs) Um, but <laughs> sometimes I feel like it's really rewarding. But in that moment, I was very upset, <laughs> and I'm rewatching. Right, it right now, of course.
3: <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think we've all had that feeling of being really feeling like betrayed at the end of one of these shows. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, very hooded. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think hood-winked. sometimes you can tell if the if you can tell if you feel like the pieces have been set up correctly and you start mm-hmm. to get it towards the end you're like okay so the the writer really started off kind of how whatever the method is you know starting at the end and going backwards or just plotting very well you're like, okay, they had these set up. And they knew where they were going. They knew they were going to end up here. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're watching a mystery or reading a mystery and you go, they had no idea what they were doing. They just <laughs> threw someone at the end and they're like, you did it. I don't know. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. good to be able to follow those like steps backwards and be like, all right, let me piece together what I've got. hmm
3: I know. Well, you know, very good mystery writers are so excellent at that kind of plotting stuff and sort of it's a point of pride, really, to leave clues all the way along so Mm -hmm. that the author, the reader could work it out if Mm -hmm. if she were able to. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things, too, that's very underestimated. Like a lot of people... Um, I mean, it's not, this isn't a one-to-one comparison, but I feel like a lot of people are surprised when like really strong comedians are like really good dramatic actors because it's um... like comedy is just like whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of just like mm-hmm. to it aside, but it's still comedy. I think is a lot harder than drama. And I kind of feel the same way about like mystery, um, like plots and mystery novels and stuff. They're sometimes just kind of like, oh, that's not, you know, the New York times bestseller, whatever, blah, blah, blah whatever's happening right now it's like no but the, the the brain you have to have to set all of this up this yeah. is so much harder than just you know just regular old fiction sometimes so
3: <laughs> right no i think so too and you know, I, I do think that we read mysteries for other reasons sometimes than just the plot. Mm-hmm, you know, we mm-hmm. like the characters. We like this sort of ongoing detective character, perhaps. Right, um, yeah. We like the moodiness of it and, you know, um, the world that they create. But I do think there's got to be some effort um, oh, sure. into creating the a good plot because that's part of the pleasure too of of being a little bit surprised and then happy oh yeah i get it now
1: Mm -hmm. i think like really for books like this one with cassandra where you have kind of you're following the same character and you're going you're traveling with them going to different spots it's um you really get tied to that character because a lot of times that's like the one anchor point of the mm-hmm. of the series is not necessarily like the place or the plot or what have you you're really just kind of following this one person um so it's it's kind of this really cool relationship that you get to have with the character and kind of just like following them around
3: mm-hmm yeah, that's a good way of putting it. A lot of mysteries are written in the first person. So mm-hmm. there's even a stronger attachment, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What's your favorite thing that, um, like, favorite uh, mystery that Cassandra has been through, I should say? Because she mentions in the book that she's she's been through quite a few. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, she must have been through some that I have not really heard about from her yet. Um, but the one that I like probably still the best is the Afternoon, which doesn't have a murder in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it has a lot of running around and um, identity changes and people pretending to be someone else or turning out to be someone else. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really fun for me. Um, and I suppose I like it the best because it was the first time I sort of realized the potential of some of this uh slapstick um you know more of the screwball comedy Mm -hmm. um and i think all of the cassandra books have some form of slapstick in them um and kind of physical action um and i think that book i i really pushed it um where they're actually you know fighting um on in architectural spaces and in a market and running down the street and Mm -hmm. hiding. And I don't know, that was, that was actually really fun to write.
2: (laughs) I was kind of waiting for like some kind of physical something or other to happen with Cassandra um, when she went to um, the cottage, Um, I guess like the second time near the end of the book, I thought like something physical was going to happen. And I was like, Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> yes yeah i guess there's an art to trying to create some menace and there's nothing like mm-hmm. a foggy coastline with cliffs
2: to make mm-hmm. you kind of
3: nervous <laughs> yeah
2: i feel like every one of the characters is introduced and i'm like is she gonna be the one that like <laughs> tries to like go after her with a knife or something <laughs> um i i truly trust it. it's funny when danny who um, pops up for like a little bit of the book when she pops in. I'm like, I don't trust her the most. Like out of all of them, I don't know why. <laughs> Not really well, sure. Interesting. What, she, yeah. what vibe she gave me, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was.
3: Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. Maybe it was the big hoop or earrings. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> suspicious she just, earrings.
2: Suspicious earrings. Were those yours? Did you take them <laughs> from someone? <laughs> right.
3: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, she's just a little bit of a transitional character.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, she knows one thing about the sand.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I feel like there's like a good amount of tension in the book, especially with um, the the ongoing translation that she's supposed to have been doing. Um, yeah, <laughs> disappointing. <right>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah
1: trying to imagine being like a publisher and getting an email after being like, hey, uh, so you need to be working on this blah, 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 and just getting an email back being like, I'm in the middle of a murder. Hold on. There's
2: been a murder.
1: There's been a murder. Please hold. I'll send you the the proof as soon as I can.
3: Yeah. yeah. I was trying to raise the stakes a little bit for her. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, why she needs to sort of help solve this. And get mm-hmm. back to England ASAP. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it works well though because it's. Um, po- it's not as you know tense or uh, you know life endangering as what, what's like currently happening, but it does put like an external pressure on her, and it is just like enough of a motivation to really like push through. So I think it works really well.
3: Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, and I think also the subject of this book that she's supposed to be translating about the baby, baby's first year, um, kind of, you know, it plays into some of the deeper themes of the book too mm-hmm. about mothers and daughters. Mm-hmm. So that was that was fun for me. <laughs> I went into the library here in town when I was working on the book and mm-hmm. said, "Do you have any books about babies and raising children?" And immediately the librarian got all kind of gooey-eyed and said, oh, do you have a little granddaughter? (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, I'm writing a murder mystery. (laughs) I need to know something about colic.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, Yeah.
3: Yeah, Oh, my God. I mean, you can Google anything, but it's still mm-hmm. kind of fun to go to the library and see if you can find a book on the subject you're interested yeah. in. Oh, yeah. I, I like to doing research, and I like all kinds of random right. random things. Most of it I'm doing on the Internet, I think. But, mm. you know, I, would, I sent away for some books, too, and um, I wanted to see what there was in Spanish by Asimov. Um, so, you know, I was looking up all the stuff on Jupiter and um, – and then I came across his his really great book, uh, Lucky Star and the Moons of Jupiter. So mm-hmm. that was a, a great find, and realizing that's in Spanish too.
2: So <laughs> I love that. I feel like doing in person research sometimes sounds like more fun than googling something, but sometimes I guess googling is easier. But I mean, if you're near a library, why not?
3: They're both they're both handy. Mm-hmm. I think um, Google. Maps is my friend now, just because I can't always go to places that I would like to, and I'm thinking, how close is that house to the bluff? you know something like that, and you can be looking uh at Google Maps and then you can kind of zoom in mm-hmm.
1: and
3: uh, i mean i already I did go to those places and Um, Walk along the shore and look up and uh, take photographs and things. But Mm -hmm. then later on, I had a question. And so it was handy to be able to use the computer for that.
2: Oh, yeah. Because that way you can actually, like, especially um, the cool thing with Google Maps is, like, when you can do, the, like, the look around, if you will, mm-hmm. um, where you can, like, visually see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Only thing Google yeah. Maps, to me, when I'm like, wait, where is this thing again? I need to see it. I love that option on Google Maps. And I definitely think, especially if you're writing about a place that you're not in currently, um, it's yeah. helpful. It's like you can walk down the street um, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm.
3: Google Maps. And mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. That's one of my favorite things to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to do that more often. I'm going to start doing like, that more often.
1: A There's a, there was like a really, um, a thing that kind of got really popular towards the end of this year where people were, they, someone made like a game out of it where they just drop you in a random spot on google maps and you're in that like walking around mode and you have to figure out where you are in like five minutes or something that Um,
3: is way cool and you can
1: like set it up so you're like playing against your friends to see who can figure out where you are faster um i think Ah. a lot of people who have been not been able to travel and stuff the last year or so have been really like craving that so that kind of hit that itch but it's really fun because like you can set it up so you they'll put you anywhere or they'll put you like just inside the U.S. or something. So like sometimes they'll drop you and be like, OK, the signs are not in English. So let's figure <laughs> out where we are. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I think that's wonderful, actually. Yeah, I really like that idea.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really cool way too, just to kind of get an idea of like the space, because some people would be like, oh, this looks like um like alabama or something i like i just swear i grew up blah blah blah. like this looks like a street here and then it'd be like wait hold on that sign's not english and they'd be like we're in somewhere in turkey and like,
2: <laughs> but the la-
1: sometimes the landscape's just like if you're in the right kind of like weird flat space you mm-hmm. kind of yeah it's, well, it's, it's really same. cool yeah so that's
3: really interesting of course, there are a lot of places in the U.S. anyway that look exactly like every place else. with the right. malls. Mm-hmm. Oh, where is this Walmart?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes is you just end Alabama, up in a parking lot San and you're like, "Go <laughs> or what?"
2: <laughs> yeah. I always tell people that Philly reminds me of New Brunswick, which is uh, I think where Rutgers is in New Jersey, which is around uh-huh. where I grew up. Um, so it's just like. It's very like same to me. Um, it's very same face, I should say, and it same just, face. yeah. I walk outside and I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm in New Brunswick right now. It doesn't seem any different. Uh, so I feel like a lot of those cities feel the same. Or th- those places, I should say. Yeah. Is there, Sophie? Was there anything else you wanted to, like, talk about?
1: I don't think so. I have I a hard think... time talking
2: about. I know. I'm like, I don't want to about... pull the wrong thread, and then it's like yeah. oh, this person.
1: So at the very end of the book. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, because I want uh, people to be able to read it and and really get mm-hmm. into the mystery themselves. So yeah,
2: is there anything that you want um, like readers to know about the book? So this is what number is this one in the series?
3: Uh, it's number five. Okay. Yeah. So I'm working on a number six. Oh. Yeah. It's set in Belgium.
2: Ooh. Are, are the, is the violinist Nikki going to be in that one? <laughs> Am I allowed to she ask is. that? Ooh. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: She was in another book set in Venice and mm-hmm. um, she's um, yeah, she plays a big role in uh, the Belgian one. That's
2: so exciting. I like her. She's, yeah. she's a
3: good, funny person.
2: I like their friendship a lot.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I do too. Thank you.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, well, I, I don't have anything else I wanted to talk about, only because, again, if I feel like if I ask the wrong thing, it might be like, oh, well, that, that happened at the end of the book. Um, <laughs> right. And we yeah. want to reserve some mystery for the book. Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully you've just whetted their appetite. I think so. Totally, I am interested I would like to read the other books that she's in. Actually, I feel like um, she's a fun character, um, and I I feel like the pacing is good too uh, with the way that you write because I didn't feel like anything dragged on, um, and I feel like some of the mystery books that I've read, I've felt like, okay, we're still here. I need for this to progress, and it felt like it yeah. was progressing in a in a. Um, not like super fast paced manner, but it was fast enough that it really, like I had a hard time uh, turning my computer screen off because I was reading on my computer. Um, Oh,
3: that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps sometimes if you um, are including other kinds of things that are happening. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if it's always just about the mystery, there's so so, so many times that you can have your character say, so... I tried to think how the murder was committed. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm reading mysteries, I'm like, yeah, 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 let's keep moving. Um, You know, stop wondering so much and um, let's get going,
2: okay? So you have a book to translate. (laughs) (laughs) Right,
3: right. Yeah, so I try and remind myself of that too when Mm -hmm. I'm writing because of course you're always, as the writer, you're always sort of thinking, why would she do this? And Mm -hmm how would Cassandra know about this? So you're always trying to give, you know, keep giving a little bit of information as you go on, but it is, Mm -hmm. it's true. It's too much of that is, is boring.
2: Barbara, would you be able to tell us your book title again? Yes. It's
3: not the real Jupiter.
2: Perfect. But yes, my name is Brendan Patrick. We have Sophie green here and our special guest with Barbara Wilson. And you've been listening to the super lit podcast. All right, I'm going to stop recording. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs)